So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Gregan again. And Larkham. Kefu. A hundred episodes, boys. A hundred episodes of the Running Rugby Podcast, and we're back with you. We'll get to that drama from last weekend in just a little bit. But myself, Archie, Leo, and Toby, we want to thank everyone for listening in over the last couple of years. We've had great fun doing this pod, and we're going to keep it going for at least a little while longer while we're still around. Make sure that you are telling all your friends about it. We're on Instagram, on Twitter. That's where you get all the bonus information at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. But let's get to it. 25-15, Argentina take down the All Blacks. Two games in a row they've lost, and for the first time ever, the Pumas have taken down the All Blacks. You saw the passion from Pablo Matera and Ledesma after that game. The tears of joy and relief at what they've done. They've come through very hard times in 2020 without playing a lot of footy. First game in over 12 months and they take down the All Blacks boys. Amazing. What do you think of the game here? I really enjoyed this game. I, I'm glad I, I made the effort to watch it pretty much live. I think I was on a slight delay just, just timing wise but it was just such a good display from a team who but all they all they could be doing in the lead up to this, aside from the odd lead up game, is all they could be doing is just skills, drills, fitness, strength, and you know preparing mentally for for a contest. And the Argentinians, I think I've said in the past, it's a bit like the French. Like they they feel like they come into any game, they're always a chance. They don't see themselves ma- as massive underdogs. I don't think they ever really believe that there's no no way to a win and they came out and they just looked you know for 80 minutes just just powerful fit fast they did everything right they did they did all their basics um put all their basics together really well made very very few errors and the all blacks just started freaking out and turned into the weaker side turning over the ball and fell apart it was really interesting it's saying it I think I used to say for the Wallabies, I just want to see the fundamentals executed really well. I don't need to see, you know, tier two, three, four kind of tricks and play. Just just do your basics well and see where we end up. It just proves you keep yourself in the contest. Yeah, and just having, I think, like you say, Leo, that the lack of unforced errors, I think they made one error, one handling error in the game or something. So mm. just ridiculous in terms of how well they executed when they needed to. I actually think, like, having Checker there changed their mindset a little bit. I think he hammered into them before the game. Like, you've got all the pieces here. Now just go out and do it. These guys don't respect you. They don't think you're a threat. So I think he really got under their skin and, and almost had them possessed before that game in terms of how determined they were to, to go out and make a statement. I think they started fast, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think the All Blacks probably backed themselves you know, throughout the game that if they kept pressing, then the Argentinians would actually crumble and probably thought, well, their conditioning won't be up to it. You know, throughout to the, the last 20 minutes was probably what they were targeting. Mm. And the Argentinians, like you say, just they never gave in. They never had that that lapse in concentration. They didn't get tired. Um, so, you know, huge congratulations to them and, I think a lot of credit has to go to the coaching staff because they obviously got them in the in the right condition um, under really trying circumstances and yeah, just completely unexpected result and now it really turns the Tri Nations on its head and makes it more interesting. Absolutely, this changes the Tri Nations from um, a disappointment where we weren't going to get the World Champions in the Springboks coming because they didn't think they played enough rugby coming into the tournament, which looks even sort of sillier now um, that Argentina has come and put this result on. And you're right, it opens the door for um, Australia and Argentina to really fight fight it out now for 
to be the champion of, of the Tri-Nations. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, Australia was really relieved to get this competition going and, and all throughout Australia having it run in one country. Um, but then it took it, obviously, when the Springboks pulled out um, and the mood dropped a bit. But now, you know, it does show that South Africa could have probably competed in this environment if they went about their, their business properly. And, you know, this is the most interesting competition we've had in, in quite a long time with with Argentina performing. So I think fans are now back, um, you know, really attuned to what's going on in this competition. There should be a, a pretty decent crowd there in Newcastle for the forthcoming game. And, yeah, just people th- feel like, I don't know, rugby just feels like it's back. And I think that the tone was set with the All Blacks losing to the Wallabies and then the broadcast deal coming out as well. And, and now this result, it just seems like it's a great time for rugby and, and all eyes are on the product. I want to take you guys back to probably 12 months ago. We were just in that post-World Cup depression and we talked a little bit about the All Blacks moving forward. We talked about quite a few players leaving the shore, players retiring, and we did sort of talk about whether we could have expect a bit of a drop in sort of All Black production coming into these next couple of years. Um, I think we speculated on why... Maybe um, Warren Gatland or other people wouldn't want the coaching job straight away because maybe they were due for a down year or so. Do you think that the air of the All Blacks and the thoughts around it um, that people have of these All Blacks isn't actually what we're seeing out of this team anymore? I think there's definitely there's definitely like it. They've taken a breath. They've they've done a small reset, but really. There's not that many new players in this side. There's a few new combinations, but it's not like this compared to the Australians where we've got, you know, between some of the backs, particularly in the bench, guys in single digits for tests. Like almost everyone uh, showing up at the All Blacks is is a 10 or more test relative veteran. Um, and and they're just, I don't know, it's, it's very hard to maintain that level, right? Like mentally and, and long-term that... To, to keep win after win after win and, and beating sides where you're favoured. Like, at, at some point, complacency will set in and guys like guys with 100, 100 tests or, you know, upwards of 50 tests at least will just assume they turn up and they're the number two side and they're going to beat the number six side, number eight side. Like, you just do it as a matter of course. And so rather than... Like, I, th- I think they've only maintained their level... And really, other sides have been lifting, and obviously the Wallabies have found a way, and the Argentinians just looked huge. The the All Blacks, eventually the opposition step up, and the All Blacks just haven't found a way to to step up. I don't think they've they've lost their their shine, but they just haven't maybe reacted well enough to the way these opposition sides have, um, you know, shaken off the 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 concern of, you know, how good is this side and how, you know, how unbeatable they are. Everyone's just like, no, we can take a shot at these guys. Like, we're, we're on the up. We've got a chance here. Yeah, I think all it takes is is those couple of games to really change perception of, you know, the All Blacks being invincible. And it, it doesn't take much. It might have started with, you know, England last year beating them in that semi-final. And then we come into... You know, the Bledisloe this year, they draw the game with us in New Zealand, obviously recover in Auckland and Sydney, but then again show some weakness up in Brisbane. And now Argentina has seen what they can do. They've formed a third on the, the world rankings. The public's turning against them. The coach is under pressure. Now I think the players are really feeling the pressure. And maybe they're even doubting the coaching as well. There's just, there is a little bit of doubt creeping in before... They just assumed a victory. Now it's not the case, I don't think. It's hugely interesting to, to watch from afar. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the putting together a couple of games against a team that doesn't lose a couple of games. And you, you think if they close ranks in New Zealand and the papers support them and everyone just kind of goes, oh, no, 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 this is nothing. Like, of course they're going to eventually lose two games in a row. Statistically, it'll just happen. Uh, this is nothing. They're still the best 100%. team in the world in the last 10 years and they've still got all that blah blah but that's not what's happened they're they're looking at the coach and they're putting a bit of pressure on him and saying well maybe you are only gonna last two years and maybe warren gatlin is gonna sweep in 
uh, a couple of years before the World Cup and maybe it's all not going that well and the players have been a little bit attacked for um, you know, being a little bit precious about the timing of their games and obviously end up the rugby championship kind of changed schedule anyway. But, you know, people were a little bit up against them saying, oh, they're trying to get home for Christmas. Well, come on, suck it up. Like plenty of professional sports people are uh, required to play games around Christmas and, you know, it impacts their private life. Like there's just a few little things combining between the performances and uh, the reaction of players and the pressure from media and expectation, uh, I think it's 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 not saying I think it's good. Like it's it doesn't necessarily help the game. Like, but it's just interesting that it can happen in any team. You can have a team that's like, oh, you can be I selfish like for Australia and be like, no, no, ah, I think for the rest of the nation, the negative media. But this is well overdue. Like in terms yeah, of it just a correction of how good they've been. Right, they're yeah. susceptible to the same it thing does, we yeah. are. We've had a bad run, and the media's been pretty negative on rugby for a while. But the reality is, if you, you can almost you can choose your narrative, you can you can bias it, be a bit propagandist, and, and just push a positive narrative no matter what. The All Blacks haven't really had to do that, and Australian rugby hasn't received that by any means. But you know, the the slightest little turn towards the negative has kind of snowballed a bit for them and two bad performances now they look like you know they could come last in the tri-nations when's the last time that happened yeah and i think yeah exactly you realize like obviously australian fans and i'm sure argentinian fans as well have had to cope with their teams not having a huge amount of success not taking home trophies or silverware um in many many years in some cases and that almost sort of has steeled a lot of the fans. Like, we still support our team, even if we know it's sort of tough times. And it feels like it's not quite there for the New Zealand fans at the moment. There is a little bit of backlash. And then you have sort of the coach coming under pressure, as you say. Sam Kane making sort of comments about um, the fans not really understanding what it's like um, to be out there on the he field. He shouldn't have said that. And that's, that's, a, that yeah, was, that's a bad sign. That came off badly. He's like, they think they know, but they don't know. Well, they don't and then know. all okay. of a sudden, it's, yeah. it's and then you're players like, mate, versus you're fans. People against so you. so yeah. the, like, the exact quote was, with that, like, we've got amazing fans, but we've also got some brutal ones. With that, you've just got to remind yourself, hey, they, they like to think they know a lot about the game of rugby. In reality, they don't really. They may know the game from what they say in 80 minutes, but they don't see the stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Which is completely true, but when you're taking, like, the PR angle, you cannot... You cannot denigrate any fans. You just have to say, look, like, some people like are upset think they know, and we they understand and we'll try and do better. Like, you've just got to soak it in and keep going because if at some point you turn around and go, they don't know what they're talking about, you, you, the reaction's only going to be, well, screw you. We do know and we're just going to get louder and more vo- you know, vocal and provocative. So yeah. there's no way that ends well. He should have directed that at the media, I thought. I didn't actually know that that was solely at the fans. I thought that was more saying the media kind of scrutinise us and, you know, these are guys that are, are guys that have never actually played the game. They just cover the game. But to direct it at fans is far worse. Yeah, so, I mean, and I think it will continue to be an issue over these next sort of week and a half leading up to the next game. And I'm sure it will continue to show, even, even if they do have a bounce-back performance, I'm not sure that they'll look back on their 2020 season now thinking that this was an amazing season. So looking back to the game and Argentina, they already have named their team for the upcoming game up in Newcastle versus Australia. Newcastle. Um, And they've named an unchanged 15 side. And obviously you saw like the power that this team really has behind them. We've already talked about the amazing conditioning, the fact that the majority of their team did put on 80 minutes on the park and really sort of were outstanding, put the All Blacks under pressure at the scrum and at the line-out, and forced quite a lot of errors. I mean, Pablo Crem- uh, Pablo Matera and um, Kramer as their 6 and 7, and Bruno as the 8 as well, were just immense in this. They were absolutely everywhere, causing issues for the All Blacks. And then you put that together with Cabelli and Nick Sanchez, who's just showed how class he is, um, scoring all the points for the team. But yeah, just unlocking unlocking this team. Oh, Sanchez looked just amazing out there. Like he just every facet he was consistent. He didn't didn't make errors. 
Uh, all the kicking was strong. Uh, all the territory kicking when when they did it was strong. But like they they took they took a very uh, basics approach into this. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna come into a game off no like essentially no international game time, no momentum. They've they've done the right thing, I think. They've they've focused on just fundamentals and mm. making tackles. Guys who have looked dangerous for the All Blacks in all four games, um, guys like uh, Sevilla and Caleb Clark and Moanga and Mackenzie when he's been there, they they've all made their line breaks. They've all they've all broken tackles and you know created offloads, more opportunities. The Argentinians just swamped those guys and everyone else and and just closed it off and gave the All Blacks nothing. So it's just about making one-on-one tackles. It's about uh, being strong in your defensive line. Yeah. Because uh, we know how much the All Blacks make out of counter. They just gave them absolutely no counter. Um, and th- like that's it's just basic scrums, basic lineouts, basic malls. That's it. Everything was Even... just dialed up to a hundred in those fundamentals, and and just gave like didn't give too much effort into really extreme, unusual plays and, and tricky stuff. It just well, didn't, even, didn't even their game. attack, you saw, like, they weren't throwing cutouts. They were going through the hands, and it was just basic, draw the man, pass out, draw the man, pass out, and they were getting to the edge, and they were making metres doing that. And That's right. I mean, I don't... Like, the Argentinian... Like, especially, we always talk about the back three um, are always so electric, often. And, like, those guys were still getting out there, and they were still trying to make things happen. They were cutting back in and taking extra steps and they weren't shutting themselves down and saying, we're just going to truck it up straight. They were still willing to, yep, take a step back and run back in field and try and find a gap somewhere to slip through. But they just did it and they had the support, they had the team around them and it just resulted in, they never really felt like they ever got put on the back foot. In attack, they seemed to be on the front foot. In defence, they seemed to be on the front foot. And... I think you're right. I think a lot of that is to do with people like um, Kubeli and Sanchez, like in their sort of playmaking and sort of decision-making role definitely sort of helped. But it's just it was just an amazing performance from the whole team. Which breaks the question, is this what we're going to see this weekend from the Wallabies? Or is this uh, one and done? This was, this was their World Cup final. They've come out. They've had this amazing game. They've had all this energy. They've probably been celebrating this week. What's this team going to look like coming back onto the park up there at McDonald Jones Stadium in Newcastle versus the Wallabies on Saturday? Oh, I think there's definitely there's definitely a chance that they've been you know riding high all week and they come out and they can't quite hit the same heights. But I don't think I don't even though you know early in the game there was some there was some calls from the from the referee uh, things got heated. There's the there's the classic Pablo. You know, talking about playing for his country and they're not respecting us, and you know, really, really bringing a bit of emotion in. But they they didn't look like they were playing fueled by emotion. Obviously, it was a piece of what was driving them, but they kept it. You know, they kept it under control. And I, I'd be I'd be very worried as the Wallabies that if they can bring that same type of focus, driven by that emotion and and the pride based off their result last week. Like, this is a very dangerous team. No changes, no injuries. Um, there's some young guys in there too. There's some debutants, were there not? One of the centres was a debutant. Shokabara is the 12 who played really well, yep. That's right. Like, these are, it's not like it's a seasoned 15, but they brought it together, and I don't think there's any reason why that could not happen again. Um, the you know they they got their share of a few calls in in last week's game. If they don't get that this week, maybe the momentum doesn't build quite as quickly. Um, but like there's, there's there's just a lot to like about a team that focuses on the basics and delivers a, a really measured performance. Each player, like you talk about them running back in, like the ball gets out wide. If there's nothing on. They go looking for support. Each player as an individual seems to be making a really good uh, assessment of what's in front of him and making sure that wherever he's headed, he's got people around him. They had they had guys clearing out and securing the ruck. Like, it's like they were, you know, booked weeks in advance. They were there and they secured the ball and they just kept going phase after phase. They played out of their own half phase after phase multiple times where the traditional 
game in recent times has been to kick out and try and, and cover again. So, like, they, they bring that against us. We're going to be very mentally settled to, to not panic like the All Blacks did mm. and just, you know, keep keep playing back at them, keep the ball in hand, starve them of possession. So we've, we've had the Wallabies team announced and what we've seen is obviously Swinton not there this time. Obviously, he's got the, copped that ban. He's not going to be playing rugby till next year. Hannigan comes back into the side at six there. You have Hodge remaining at 10. James O'Connor suffering a bit of a setback with that MCL sprain, so not eligible for selection here. And you have Taniella starting back in the starting side, and you have Scott Searer making his first start of the year, replacing James Slipper, obviously, with that elbow dislocation as well. First off, do you think this team can beat Argentina? Yes. 100%. Absolutely no reason why we can't beat Argentina. And I'm I'm actually not unhappy that we've gone with Hodge because I think, obviously, we, we have a couple of options, but they're limited by the injuries. The style of game we played with Hodge at 10 was back to basics. Um, you know, focus, focus on just delivering the ball to the players that are, you know, part of that set piece of, of scrums and malls and lineouts. Like, don't don't overcomplicate things, and that's what the Argentinians did. I think that's what you bring against them, at least until the game settles in and you, you can see other opportunities. Like they'll still be the you know Podge will probably try the little chip kicks over the top, um, like we did against the All Blacks. But if that's the most extreme thing we try, then I'm okay with that. Um, I think we 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 want to settle into this game. That first twenty minutes is definitely about holding holding strong and seeing how much energy the Argentinians have have brought to this game, then look for opportunities out wide. Uh, but we know they've got pace out wide and we know they've got muscle and, and speed in their forwards. So um, I guess the other thing will be discipline because guys like Taniella and, and Seo, that they, they need to keep level heads when they're butting up against the others in the scrums. They need to make sure that we don't give away the easy penalties because that'll be the run of this first half. It'll be who, who can give away the fewest penalties, who doesn't get a run on. Um, is just going to suffer. The other teams is going to start piling on points, and and Sanchez is a dangerous kicker, so he'll just keep laying them on us. I think that we're in a great position to win this game and win it well. I think my biggest concern is the fact it's in Newcastle, yeah, which is notorious for you know pretty pretty bad Wallabies performances in recent years. You know we've lost to Scotland there. I think we lost to Samoa there. Um, so we don't necessarily play that well, but you know, I think we're we've seen them play now. We've seen what Argentina has to offer, so we won't be surprised by that. I think Argentina's probably had their best game for the last, you know, that was their best game for the last last ten years, probably. Um, so we're lucky that we've missed that. You know, we could have caught them first up, and I'm sure Checker would have had them just as fired up for us, and they would have been prepared as well as they were against the All Blacks. Now I think, you know, they're probably not carrying too many niggles. It looks like, obviously, with that unchanged lineup that, you know, everyone's travelling pretty well. But they would have celebrated well after this game. And I think it's very hard to refocus after such a big victory. Um, if things don't go their way early in this one, you know, the expectation may be that they will panic a little bit and that belief might disappear because I think... They'll be going in very confident. They'll be going in thinking they can do anything. But if the Wallabies get up early, I think the Argentinians may go away from that that poise that they showed against the All Blacks, maybe try and force things a little bit. Um, so I think it's going to depend on how the game plays out early as to how they actually solidify and, and build upon that performance against the All Blacks. If it's a similar game where the Argentinians, you know, fast start, the Wallabies might be the one to panic. I think it's going to be a real test of maturity here and keeping your heads, not getting too fired up and and having penalties against you, keeping the discipline. Um, I think it's going to be hugely abrasive. But I think we have the team to do it. I just don't see Argentina putting back-to-back performances of that calibre together Mm. at this stage. You do... When you say we need maturity, I don't feel like our team has the same level of maturity as um, the sort of core people in that Argentinian team. 
So it does it does make me a little bit worried. Um, like you said, if we got down early, we may be a little bit in trouble here. Yeah, possibly. I think the Argentinians still have the same sort of weak spots they have historically, though, which used to be two, three, four years ago. You see it in the in the Haguaras and you see it in the Pumas that they play on emotion, and when the emotion overcomes the sense, then they they just break down because they're just trying to you know fling themselves in all directions. Guys are doing things one out. Um, they're letting the passion drive them, and they're not thinking about what their plan, their strategy, and their tactics were. So you don't want to you don't want to niggle that in a too provocative a way because I feel like the refs are onto that at the moment. I feel like they're very conscious about uh, people getting a bit niggly and people trying to incite things, mm. and they're talking talking to teams and talking to captains very early and saying, no, 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 we're not going to have any of that. So. It's not about doing anything grubby to try and drive the Argentinians to that state. I think it's about playing well and being very physical and trying to. I guess things like scrums. When you win scrums, that you can ban, you can turn around and grab all your forwards, and everyone gets all excited and you fire up. And the Argentinians, if that keeps happening, that that I think will start to chip away at them. Um, and then just some big contact in defence. Eventually, those back rowers who are so good and were so good against the All Blacks, those are the sorts of guys that start, you know, going a bit too far in in where they're uh, attacking the ball in the ruck, and maybe some of the shots they put on the the runners out of our attack, and you might start to chip away at the the, the focus and get them playing on passion, and they start making mistakes. You get double up penalties. You work your way down the field like. I think they're still subject to that kind of thing. I think they're a lot stronger mentally than they have been uh, in the past now. But I think that's still one of the weak points. But you only get there by being really disciplined yourself. And if we're the ones that are ill-disciplined, I think they'll just look at us and laugh at us and eat us up. We have to control the game. And, you know, guys like Kremer in that number seven uh, position for the the Pumas, really, he's prone to to giving penalties away. He's, He's a bit... He's a bit wild at times. So we've got to focus on certain guys, I think, in, and probably coax them into doing silly things. I don't think, like Leo said, I don't think it's... We don't want to hit them head on and try and play dirty and, and, and out, out kind of, a, you know, aggression them. I think it's just we need to play good, clean, smart rugby and beat them in the set piece and defend really well so we don't leak points to Sanchez. I think we'll get there. I think... We've got as many threats across the park, um, and I think Rennie will be have them prepared so well for the way that Argentina play. Yeah, and I reckon some of the some of our players are already kind of hardwired to be more focused on their own performance, focused on maintaining what what the Wallabies want to do, than getting into scuffles. Like you don't have hotheads um, like in, in this lineup. Like Dane Coles, who who was clearly unsettled in this game and actually was spoken to directly by the ref, like clearly wanted to throw punches for about the first 20, 30 minutes in this game and just, you know, obviously didn't get the chance and smartly didn't do it. But um, that's where someone like Swinton, I feel like, would have been more uh, subject to, to a bit of niggle. I think um, Harry Wilson... Like he's young, but he's he's fairly sensible. We, we haven't seen him run in second or third man in and start throwing punches. Our centers, Paisami and Patea, they're quiet achievers. Like they're they're not really boisterous and in your face. Like they're just they're just very good at what they do when yeah. they're doing it. Um, and equally the front row, like like Taniella, for all his goofing around and and his personality, is actually you know fairly fairly introverted. By the looks, like he gets on the field, uh, and he dominates people, I don't know and he just pulls that. a face. Like he, no, he just pulls a strong face. He doesn't go and mouth off to people. He might have something quiet I to say, he's got, but he's not really he's verbose. Got, yeah, got, of course, he's a competitor. He's prone to over, over being overly aggressive at times, and I think him and Nick White are my primary physically. concerns. Yeah, so and that's where I was headed. So who? So the front row in the set piece when we when we see scrums, we want to see the front row compete and hopefully. Uh, overcome the Argentines in the scrum. If we can get dominant in the scrum, those guys will just do their job and that'll be a win for us. Hooper needs to be a bit more vocal. 
And Nick White needs to be vocal to, I think, to the ref. Like, call the game based on what they're seeing in front of you. And, you know, be talking to the ref. Oh, you know, Kremer's doing this and Matera's doing that. Let's talk about Pablo yeah, Matera being again. down on his elbow before. He, yeah, do agree. Matera was Running down commentary. on his elbows, picking up the ball secondary to, to hitting the ground multiple times last week. And it was very 50-50 whether he got the call or not. I think he got pulled up for it once. And he made a couple of really critical steals, but technically he was probably infringing. So if Nick White's there seeing that and just screaming at the ref, he's on his elbows, he's you know, he's he's not supporting his own weight. And Hooper's in there, just not constant, but just saying, you know, pointing things out at the right time. I think that's where, you know, you get a few more calls your way if you can manage the ref. And the backs just go out and do their job. We don't have any of the wild personalities that are gonna get in their face. They come out, they do their job, and if we get a roll on the guys don't need to say anything. They'll just get out there and they'll keep putting points on. We've seen in the last few years for the Wallabies, I think probably emulating the All Blacks a little bit, there's been less of a preference to go for the penalty um, and more of a preference to maybe aim a bit higher, aim to get the seven points there. Do you think that that will continue in this game or do you think this is, might even turn into a little bit of a penalty battle with both teams looking just to get the points and keep sort of ticking the scoreboard over. Because that's what the Pumas did on the weekend. They just... Yeah. I think the Argentinians will keep taking penalties, but they may see our line-out as enough of a weakness that they'll want to attack us um, off, off penalties, kick to the sideline, and try and maul it. I think our maul defense is reasonably strong at the moment. Um, we've got guys like Matt Phillip and um, Ned Hannigan fighting through the middle of the maul and actually kind of killing off that mode of attack a fair bit. So... It depends. If they think they've seen enough, they might try and attack us that way. But I think they're definitely accumulators. They're just there to try and make sure they keep picking up some points. Each time they come into our half, they come away with something. I think a lot of our attacking and and going for tries often comes because we've been behind. But we've also wanted to sort of impress our, impose our dominance on uh, the opposition early. Our line-out again, our attacking line-out needs to be strong. Um, We've got Rob Simmons and Matt Phillip in there. At least, hopefully, you know, that combination with BPA, I think, isn't a bad combination. They've been improving week to week um, over over the, the Bledisloe series. So we, we have a chance there to, to be strong. But I think early on, we'll probably just go to accumulate. I think we'll go to accumulation. And, and once we, you know, if we have a, a six, seven, eight point advantage at some point, I think then... Maybe maybe we do just stick with the penalties and, and not go hunting for those tries, even know. though we want to be I, aggressive. I thought maybe we'd start to play more expansive. If we get that small lead, we'll really try and pile on the points, but you could be right. I think you know, the the Pumas kept the, the All Blacks to 15 points. That doesn't happen very often. So mm-hmm. they bring a similar defensive performance at least. It's going to be really tough to get those points. I mean, we're lucky we've got Hodgie there that... If it's around the 50-meter line, he can slot that quite comfortably. Um, so it's um, it's definitely an advantage in that way, but we see that Nico Sanchez can do a similar thing. Maybe doesn't quite have the 60-meter kicks in him, but he definitely has yeah. the 50-meter. They, um, they so have they brought can... um, Buffelli onto the bench, who is their long-range kicker. So late in the game, if he gets on, he'll be mm. one that he can slot it from his range, probably is around 60 meters. I would just go back to what Leo said about the way that the Jaguares play and the performances they had in them in the last couple of years of Super Rugby. Um, and I think that that is a really good comparison to, to what the Pumas can bring in. When they're playing with confidence, when they're playing with that real enthusiasm and harnessed enthusiasm, um, harnessed aggression, they're so dangerous. They can score 40 points. Um, I think this Pumas team's a little more conservative but you're right, like I think on their day, they're prone to, to making errors and compounding those errors. And when things go bad, they go bad pretty quickly. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because I think the Wallabies can, can get at them a little bit and show that, you know, defensively we are a good team and it's going to be hard, I think, for them to get points. It wouldn't be a running rugby podcast if I didn't chime in with the importance of pilfering at the ruck. So I'll give my spiel now. I think a lot of the review of this game against the All Blacks recognised just how dominant the Argentinians were at the ruck. 
They've got the three back rowers who are all very active, and they've got their hooker also being fairly active and, and making steals. And I think that's a real danger for the Wallabies this weekend. So BPA has has had his his moments where he's been uh, aggressive at the ruck trying to steal the ball. Uh, Ned Hannigan starting. He's got, I think he was one of the top five uh, pilferers in the Super Rugby AU competition. So he was pretty uh, important there for the Waratahs. But Harry Wilson and Hooper uh, probably need to step their game up. If they're not trying to steal the ball, we just need to be really solid on our own ball and make sure those other back rowers can't take it off us because I feel like that's something the Wallabies, it's probably our biggest weakness in general play is just securing the ball and just not giving those opportunities for a team that's very focused on the pilfer and the steal. Um, not so much the upright, just just at the ruck. If we don't show, uh, if we don't provide the right support and we're not precise with the clean out and closing off the ball in a legal way, like I just I just think we're ripe to have the ball taken off over and over. And there's, it's just a, it's just a, a stats game. If they do that three, four, five times in each half eventually we'll get caught out of position and they'll spread it wide and the the elite speed they have in their back three, if they get it out there, there's high risk that we just get outflanked and they score mm. tries. Yeah, they have dead set try scorers on the edge for on both sides with Imhoff and um, Delgai coming back into it. Boys, considering the fact that we've been completely wrong on our last two weeks of predictions, what do you guys predict for the result here? Draw. <laughs> so Leo's going don't. for three weeks wrong in the row. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going Wallabies by five. I think we're the better team um, on paper. Actually, I do think we we have the capacity here to really make a statement. But even if we win by a smaller margin, I think it's very impressive and it really sets up, you know, a great final day of rugby. If um, say the All Blacks come and beat Argentina, there could be a real fight for that Tri-Nations exactly. trophy. Exactly, we'll come down to the last game. I just think it really, our two weeks off, I think, helps us. Helps us get healthier, helps us instill those combinations in the back line. We've seen what Argentina now has to offer, and we won't be surprised by that. It's how we react to that on the field, but we shouldn't be surprised. I think that's a massive advantage. I think either way this goes, it sets us up for our final game because if we win, then Argentina are coming at us in the final game, assuming the All Blacks bounce back and don't drop two to Argentina, which is pretty unlikely. So let's just assume that the All Blacks uh, win their second matchup. Like, it's going to be Argentina trying to overcome the Australians to win. If the opposite happens, it's the same thing. It's us trying to overcome the Argentinians. So that's actually, really, the result of this match isn't, Critical. It's going to be that final match in combination yeah. that that, that it's not gets the be all and end all. That's right. So you're right. We're fresh. They're coming off a massive win, historic win. Can they bring the same uh, effort and adrenaline and passion in a measured way to this game? I I honestly think they can. I think they're just going to be so so ready to face another team that they historically haven't had the wood on, um, and in, in our bogey bogey location in Newcastle really worries me. I reckon there's a way this plays out with it. Argentinians are ahead late in the game, even if it's just chipping on points by a few here, a few there. I reckon we're trying to either win or, or square up this game late in the game. Mm. Um, and that's why I think it could be a draw. It, it does make me worried a little bit about looking through our bench because we, we highlighted before we don't have a lot of experience going through our bench. We don't have that reserve second rower unless you believe Rugby Pass's comments about Rob Valentini um, being a versatile second rower. Oh, I'm no, no, no. I'm not sure that he's done that before. So Rugby Pass, just a heads up. You've got to check a few of those sources. Um, Hannigan will be the reserve second rower for the Wallabies if they do get into trouble. So you've got, got people like Bell on the bench. You've got people like Valentini. You've got Liam Wright. People that want it. People that are going to be hungry for it late, but they haven't really produced at that international level yet. You've got um, Jake Gordon coming back in, in place of Tate McDermott, which was, I think would have surprised a lot of people as well um, for this. So I agree, it's going to be going to be interesting times up there in Newcastle. 
I do foresee a lower scoring game. I think as you guys are highlighted, I think it's going to be a tough battle and it's going to be really close, but I'm ready for it. Looking around the world, we had the first round of sort of the Autumn autumn Cup, Autumn Eight Nations, with a bit of controversy in it. Start of the weekend, Ireland took down Wales quite convincingly in Dublin. A uh, little bit of looking towards the future for Ireland with people like uh, Billy Burns um, coming on early for Sexton in the fly half position. Um, they also had a... Kiwi, Jameson Gibson Park starting at nine, um, that hasn't had a lot of a big name starting there over uh, Conor Murray as well. So a little bit of a new sort of face for Irish rugby there coming through. They were impressive. England, 40 nil took down Georgia at Twickenham. Unfortunate for Georgia not to get a little bit more, but they've already come out and said they're, they're playing this for the long term. They're not, they're not here to get the short-term glory. They're, they're aiming to involve themselves and become um, established as part of the sort of the Tier 1 Nations playing schedule. And then Scotland got five games in a row now by taking down Italy. So Scottish really looking to um, establish themselves as more of a powerhouse and something that we've not seen. But it may be that now that Wales is sort of taking a step back, this is the time for uh, the Scotland boys to rise up and shine. The game I was probably most looking forward to, though, was the France-Fiji game, but unfortunately got cancelled in the end because of uh, COVID uh, diagnoses within the Fijian squad just got to an extent where they weren't um, safe to one travel to France or didn't look like they'd be able to get a team on the park as well. Yeah, disappointing, because that would have been an absolute firecracker of a game um, with some uh, Fijian influence even in the French team. So I think it would have been... An amazing spectacle. We love seeing more of France, the way they're playing at the moment, and obviously the Fijians always bring a lot of flair. But, yeah, COVID, look, we're lucky to have rugby around the world at the moment anyway, I think despite um, some cancellations. That Autumn Nations Cup is quite interesting. You know, Wales are really on the slide at the moment. I think that's seven in a row they've dropped, which is quite ridiculous. Yeah. so Wales not travelling well. As you said, Scotland really picking things up and, and improving, which is nice to see. Ireland, that's, so that's three or four, you know, guys that have been blooded into residency in Ireland. I think James Lowe started on the oh, league yeah, as well. Oh, yeah, that's who I did. Um, James Lowe got a try on debut. Always a so big play got, from the Chiefs. Yeah, and, and really a, a guy that's performed so well for Leinster over the last few years and big personality in the game over there. Yeah, he's been really impressive. And, you know, some people have made comments, the fact that, you know, you've had Bundyaki there at 12 often. Now you've got James Lowe, you've got Gibson Park, CJ Stander. So a lot of guys that have kind of come into the Irish system later in life and now are playing for the international team. And they're top players. There's no doubt about that. But it's, it's whether, I guess as an Irish person, whether you'd like to see some of your more, um, you know, the younger generation that are born Irish coming through, are they taking their places? So that was a point of contention. But I think regardless of that, these players are, are top quality and particularly someone like James Lowe, I think brings a lot of flair there on the wing. So that's great to see. Um, but yeah, let's let's see how this Autumn Nation Cup kind of plays out. As it's got some fascinating matchups. I think, you know, we'd love to see Georgia do better. But hopefully we get to see Fiji at some point in the next week or so. Yeah, well, it looks like it won't be this weekend. Uh, Their game versus Italy has already been cancelled at the moment. So coming up this weekend, uh, you will have England versus Ireland, um, which will be an exciting game, always is. That is still at Twickenham. Wales hosting Georgia, which I think will be a great spectacle um, with both teams obviously coming off disappointment. And Scotland playing France up there in Murrayfield, uh, which again, two teams on the rise. Unfortunately, I have heard that Roman Natamak, the French fly half, won't be playing in this one. Um, so a little bit of a shot for the French there, but I'm sure that they'll still bring a lot of flair to this game up in Murrayfield and it'll be a good battle. In other news, looking forward to next year, we've got the schedules of Super Rugby AU and Super Rugby Aotearoa, which are very similar to what we saw this year. 10 rounds, playing each team home and away, and 
Australia still has its two weeks of finals. New Zealand has added a single week of finals um, in there versus, with the top two teams playing off, it looks like. But boys, we've got a trans-Tasman draw now, Super Rugby trans-Tasman, where another five weeks plus a final at the end of it, where we will have play all five New Zealand teams, two games away, two games at home, and probably what might be the most exciting after the disappointment of not having double headers at single places. It's not you two games away, two games away. at home. Yeah, it is. Be two oh, three. you mean... It's not, though, because round three is the super round. So, despite my co-host trying to correct me, the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman draw, five rounds, each team will play all five teams from the opposing competition once. Each team will have two games at home, two games away, but the round three of the ten... Trans Tasman draw will be a super round where you will have all five games at a single location. Now, they haven't specified where. You think that it'll be one of the major centres, whether it'll be Sydney, whether it'll be Auckland, but all five games over the space of a weekend. That's exactly what I'd like to hear after not getting any of these double headers in the Tri Nations this year. I think, Arch, we need to commit very early to assuming COVID doesn't get in the way. If it's in Sydney, you're coming to Sydney. If it's in Auckland, I'm coming to Auckland. If it's in Brisbane, we're going to Brisbane. And if it's, it's like in London, that is going to be such we're a probably big still weekend. not going to go to London. But come to London; it's really <laughs> it's great. Not going to be in London. Can you imagine though? To come back to Australia. And I'll highlight some of the games that we can expect that weekend. We have the Brumbies facing the Blues, two of probably oh. the most exciting teams from each competition. You have the Waratahs playing the Crusaders. Obviously, Lost. teams that have had multiple, That'd multiple strong games against each other in the last few years. You're having, in, baby. You're having the Reds taking on the Chiefs, probably um, two of the more sort of exciting attacking teams in recent years as well, despite what the Chiefs did this year. So it's going to be some absolutely excellent games. And it's gone from not knowing what rugby we'll have this year, not knowing what rugby we'll have next year, thinking we're going to have limited competitions. Feels like we've got a full Super Rugby comp to look forward to, guys. Oh, it's excellent. Like... To, to know that we're going to get the full slate of five Australian teams, but also some trans-Tasman in what feels pretty equitable, regardless where that round three is. Like, the teams from both countries are going to be match fit. They're going to have had all their opportunities to blood new players, to develop combinations, to develop their style of play. Um, and as long as there isn't too much of a layover between the finals of those national competitions into the trans-Tasman... Like, everyone's going to be fresh and into it. Um, it's it's great. And, and I just hope that while Australian rugby was on a good tear this year, I, I, I just want to see, like, you know, we want to see the Force and the and the Rebels being competitive and hopefully the Waratahs, Reds and Brumbies can can get a couple of games overseas as well. Look, it just, it just changes the landscape. First, the broadcast deal. Now, this new competition. Things are just looking up and getting more and more exciting. Um, for rugby in 2021, I think. But, Arch, just in terms of internationals, we don't know if there's going to be any visiting teams in, in July, do we? I think the the rugby championship probably starts in August, but it's whether we get any touring teams coming down, which might be a bit sketchy with COVID, probably still recovering um, from yeah. that, particularly in Europe. So that might be difficult, but Absolutely. I think, we're, I think we're not, we've got some... We've got some real momentum going here, in, particularly in Australian rugby, but I think in, in, the, in the Southern Hemisphere, things are starting to kind of work themselves out. And, you know, South Africa, regardless of what they do, it's good to see them still in the rugby championship. And yeah. I think this domestic competition, Super Rugby, is going to be great next year. And then maybe when we actually have that round-robin trans-Tasman competition in, in full flight in 2022, you know, look out. It's going to be a great product. Yeah, and I, you'd like to think that while we don't have any concrete ideas of what will happen in terms of internationals from the Northern Hemisphere, that um, these Australia and New Zealand will look to bring in teams from some of those maybe Tier 2 or borderline Tier 1 nations now. Get Fiji or get Japan or get any of the other Georgia. teams. Georgia's probably still quite close to the Northern Hemisphere, but... <laughs> so is Japan, mate. Canada. At least they're away from Europe. 
Yeah, getting Canada or the USA even down for even a single game, I think it's a it's a great opportunity to do that if we don't have access to some of the European teams um, to come round. And guys, in other news, I think the MLR has just released the home and away jerseys for the forthcoming 2021 season, which I'm getting more excited about. I think as these teams kind of build upon their successes, you know, the Seawolves are pretty well established now, and then you've got the new teams, team in LA, you've got some teams up there in, in the on the East Coast there as well, and there's plenty of Australian influence coming in through the LA, uh, what is it, the Giltinis, not sure about the name still, but you've got Adam Fryer there running the show. You've got Darren Coleman coming in to coach, and he's assisted, I think, by Stephen Hoyle. So there's plenty of Australian influence through that. You've got Dave Dennis signing on for that team already, and they're going to be announcing some some new signings soon. So I think it's it's still a, a competition in it, you know its relative infancy, but I think there's plenty of potential there, and and hopefully as the competition grows. You know, more people switch on to that and who knows, Stan Sport might be covering the MLR at some stage as well and, you know, that could be actually be linked with Super Rugby through a Hawaiian team. Um, so we might actually be building into North America a little bit more. So, again, something to look out for. But it's, a, you know, it's good that they're actually trying to build something that's quite strong for rugby in the US because their sevens program is pretty decent still. But 15s have fallen away, so that's something they need to improve. And the amount of private investment through the US, you know, could be a good thing, I think, for world rugby. Mm. Kind of, instead of it just being Pacific, South Africa and Europe, like you're building, if you build through Asia and North America, I think that's the two big markets. Yeah. Well, boys, that's our 100th episode. You sick of it yet? Never. But uh, we should we should make the point that uh, while Toby and I have been in and out at different times, I think you're the only actual centurion in this endeavour, Arch. So many congratulations to you for editing and producing 100 episodes of this podcast. Rain, hail or shine, day, night or arvo shift, whatever, whatever's been thrown at you. We, uh, we've, we've been a ride. I think we've been along for at least 90-something, but you've been the stalwart, so well done. Cheers, boys. Look, it's definitely got easier to edit you boys into something that's um, suitable for public access. So thank you as well for putting in the effort. As we said earlier, make sure you guys are pressing on that subscribe button uh, and letting your friends know on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. We're on all those major bits. And make sure you're subscribing to us on Instagram at Running Rugby Podcast or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Boys, big weekend this weekend. It might be that we put one hand on the Tri-Nations Cup. Uh, so hopefully we can change our fortunes up there in Newcastle. Go the Wallabies. Go on the Wallabies. Keep on running. Run. But I noticed it does that sometimes on the recording. Like it slows down. And then it goes... But I don't know. If that didn't just happen just then, that was a really good impression of what... Yeah, I did it. (laughs) It's slow.